This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 387 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's match day two defeat against SC Freiburg. Yay! Thomas Delaney joining FC Sevilla, and we'll talk about Thursday's Champions League draw, Friday's game against TSG Hoffenheim, and what BVB's women's team has been up to. For all that and more, joins me Adam Dorowski at FußballTwit on Twitter. Hello, Adam. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm doing mighty fine. I just had a delicious burger. <laughs> I'm now a little bit in a food <laughs> coma, but uh, uh, yeah, the uh, yellow wall pot is uh, being saved as we are recording right now. So uh, it's not on, it's not only saved by you, Adam, but uh, also by our sponsors. We are completely schuldenfrei. We zahlen keinen einzigen Euro an Zinsen. And this episode is sponsored by Stefan Wächter from Oslo and his shout out goes to the fan club in Norway, the BVB Norway Borussentrolle. And he also gives another shout out to Felix Paslak, who he says needs all the support he can get right now. Uh, hard agree. <laughs> and Stefan also requests to bring back the Schalke segment this week and I will happily oblige. If you want to sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash for more information. Uh, we shall have more sponsors in the next few weeks, which is something I'm very excited about. So, uh, I don't know when we will squeeze the childcare segment in there, but uh, first, uh, before we can, uh, you know, enjoy ourselves in the little bit of Schadenfreude that uh, was the only thing that sort of dropped from the tree for Dortmund fans, uh, the past weekend, Adam, uh, what did go wrong in Freiburg? Oh boy, I'll, I'll tell you. It was one of those matches where it seemed like they they pushed and pushed and just couldn't get it done. Uh, I'll, I so I was planning to watch this match on delay. Uh, we were having a, a family outing to to celebrate a wonderful uh, member of our family, but uh, unfortunately, I, I got a uh, notification that let me know the score, and I was like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> so then I had to go in and, and watch it afterwards, knowing that it was going to end poorly, which is just a terrible way to, to watch a, a match on delay. I like to to hide and then, you know, not know anything that's going to happen. So unfortunately, it just it just felt from the very beginning uh, that it was one of those days that they would try and try and, and not get anywhere. I was actually looking at the, the sofa score graphic today. They have the um, attack momentum and it's like. Freiburg's only two little blips of activity were the two goals and Dortmund just had blips all over the place. So it sounded like uh, it looked there like uh, Dortmund should have come away with it. And I'll tell you, watching the matches at, uh, match at some points, it was like, oh, man, they cannot pull this off. Unfortunately, going into it, knowing that they wouldn't pull it off, just just kind of put a damper on the whole thing. But yeah, uh, there were there were a couple players that looked like they were hell bent on doing something. Bellingham, I think, was one. But just couldn't pull it off in the end. And it just seemed like the, the longer the match went on, the less likely it was, to be honest. 
Yeah, I don't think Dortmund really created too many threatening scoring chances after Janne Keitel scored the own goal. And that was around the 60th minute where I sort of anticipated Dortmund then finding maybe another gear, but they did not. Um, but yeah, it's it's a classic Dortmund uh, performance that takes all the momentum out of the whole fan base and the euphoria dampens after match day one. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I was even pretty optimistic after the Super Cup because Dortmund played with the intensity that is necessary and usually uh, applied against other teams than Bayern uh, leads 90% of the time to a victory. But uh, I did not see this uh, same intensity uh, in Freiburg. Yes, it was a very hot day uh, at the Dreisam, uh, but nevertheless... Uh, I, I thought that too many players had an off day. Uh, Marco Royce, probably with one of his worst performances in a very long time, uh, Erling Haaland, uh, did not really uh, <laughs> catch anything, really. Uh, it was, uh, you know, he, he seemed a little bit lost. Uh, I don't know what the who exactly did. I mean, he had a c couple of good vertical balls, but uh, yeah, uh, I think... Christian Streich, after many, many years of uh, regularly losing against Dortmund, has figured out that actually uh, all his team needs to do in quotation marks is maybe not try to keep the ball or be proactive, but uh, play a more reactive style and, and defend uh, most of the time. Um, and I think that's what Freiburg are doing right now and just sucker punching Dortmund. The last trip to Freiburg was quite similar, to be honest. So... That's super annoying. Um, yeah, it's 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 also not uh, positive. Basically, the takeaway that the middle was clocked up and Dortmund had a lot of space on the wings, um, but uh, Nico Schulz had to get off injured, I think, in the 38th minute, and then you had a pretty much still unfit Rafael Guerrero trying his best, but he looked absolutely gassed after like I don't know 60, 70 minutes. And on the other side, Felix Paslak. Uh, yeah, didn't really get the service he needed to return the service into the box. And uh, yeah, that's that's one of those games that I think uh, for many Dortmund fans are, are really maddening, especially since it's sort of Groundhog Day, you know, after, after the resounding 5-2 win against Frankfurt, I sort of tallied through Dortmund's uh, <laughs> match day two heroics. And yeah, it's not pretty and uh, yeah things apparently have not changed that dramatically under Marco Rose. Uh, Adam, obviously there are a lot of mitigating factors. I don't know if you want to play good cop and uh, mention a few. Uh, I mean, mitigating factors in terms of the, the, uh, the injuries that forced Dortmund into the same defense that they had in match day one. Yeah. For example, I don't know if that's what you're referring to. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the difficulty is like, I mean, if I'm going to play good cop here, then, you know, the, the fact is you if they had <laughs> pulled, I mean, if they have pulled off a win here, all of a sudden, I, I think everybody that follows the club was totally happy to write off the super cup. They played well, didn't get a result, but that's fine. That's that what we're going to get. We're not always going to get the super cup where if we got a good performance, that's great. But uh, suddenly we go from a five two win then we get the 3-1 loss, and now it's a 2-1 loss here. And suddenly we've conceded seven goals in three games. You know, that looks a lot different than than two wins and forgetting about the Super Cup. Like, th that's a huge swing. So now all of a sudden this goes from, like, things are good, 
you know, big win against Frankfurt, good performance against Bayern, and now it's all sunk. And we, we look back and, oh, yeah, we did allow three to Bayern. We did allow two to Frankfurt. You know, maybe things are not as good as we think they are. So that's unfortunate. I mean, if I want to look at a bright side. I saw some good things from Bellingham in this one. Uh, he he really looked like he was trying to do something here. He had the six shot creating actions, five out of six on dribbles, 90% passing, just looked really good. Uh, basically, he was the name that Rob Turner yelled the most uh, <laughs> when we were listening to it here in the U.S. Uh, I didn't really see this when watching the match, but Akanji's numbers after the fact were absolutely monstrous. He had five tackles, all of them winning possession. Four aerials, one, four blocks, three clearances. These, all of these numbers led the team. He had, he led the team in both progressive passes with 12 and progressive carries with 11. And he actually had the most successful pressures he's ever had in a uh, Dortmund uniform, which was interesting. Well, he, he matched his his previous high, so that was interesting to see. Like pressures are not usually a big part of a Kanji's game, but he was forced into it this time, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're playing ne next to Witzel, that's usually what you have to do, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I think Akanji, uh, apart from that terrible blunder against Bayern, uh, is playing really well. Um, that cannot sadly be said for Giorena in this game. I thought he uh, was sort of nowhere to be seen. And when he had the ball, there was uh, one situation where he could have passed it, where uh, you know he had runners in the channel and he just tried to score it himself, go on a solo, but... Uh, yeah, just ran into defenders and uh, his chance was obviously lost. It was also the first start for Daniel Malen, but uh, quite clearly uh, <laughs> he's uh, getting the early Lewandowski treatment from Dortmund fans. Uh, I don't know uh, if uh, people remember. Uh, most of them will, but not everyone has been a Dortmund fan uh, this long uh, of our listeners. So in case you didn't know, there was a time when uh, Nuri Shine had to like go in front of the media and tell people how good uh, Robert Lewandowski is doing in training because he was not showing it on the pitch. And Daniel Malen right now is also not really showing uh, the uh, whatever reason Dortmund might have signed him for. Uh, he looks very abject. Uh, he looks very slow. Uh, not only... Uh, not not pace wise, more like in in his head still. Uh, you know, needs his decision making needs to come along a little quicker. But you know, it's a tough situation. Obviously, uh, entirely new team. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna note that other new signings have done better. Uh, with similar circumstances. So uh, yeah, I obviously way too soon to uh make any judgment here on Daniel Marlin, but, uh, you know, it hasn't helped that Torgen Hazard has been out. Let's let's put it this way, because especially in the game against Frankfurt, his role was absolutely crucial, and, uh, yeah, his energy is kind of kind of lacking, especially when Gio Reyna and Marco Royce both have kind of off days. I mean, with Royce, it's an interesting role right now because he's dropping very deeply uh, every, I don't know, five, six minutes or so. He's almost playing a six or an eight <laughs> and then he's trying to go upfield again you know it's i don't know it's just the, the sort of game where you must not uh concede the first goal uh, you know things are way easier if uh if you don't but then also uh you know don't well, maybe could have scored from a corner i think they had 10 corner kicks bellingham did hit the post um but uh yeah i think it was sort of off his shoulder or something um, so that's a bit unfortunate, and uh, of course the other chance Bellingham had was uh, 
you know, a, a nice solo into the box and then just put it straight on Mark Flecken, which is a bit vexing, but, uh, you know, it, it's Bellingham's 50th game, so we had enough sample size to know that Bellingham uh, does not routinely bang those shots in, you know, same with, with Marlon, uh, you know, obviously not a large sample size, but uh, you can already see that, you know, he likes to hesitate as well. Uh, he, I think he had one really good chance where he just did not shoot, tried to run the keeper, and yeah, that didn't work out. So here we are with the loss, which I think is frustrating for a lot of people. Um, I don't know where Dortmund go from there, but, it, you know, I mean, I I really expected Dortmund to struggle at the start of the season just because of the, the patchwork preseason. But uh, yeah, uh, still would have been nice to to see a bit more uh, fight from this team on, on, on the Saturday evening. Feels like maybe they were a bit too fatigued from the Super Cup, but uh, yeah, then you have to get your priorities straight if that's the case. I don't know how you saw it, Adam. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same way. I just try to remind myself, like, this is the game that they were they were going for the club record for wins in a row. So I, I don't feel that way right now, but it's kind of amazing that that's, that's actually something that they were going for like in the league at least. Uh, so I don't know, maybe a little bit of perspective there, you know, it was the 34th straight game of the goal, although they didn't score it themselves. So we'll take that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if, if I don't recall the replay really did Bellingham miss it. And then, uh, Keitel was so surprised that he tipped it in or did Keitel get the ball before Bellingham could get to it since you probably watched it uh, more recently how did that one go in again yeah Keitel was right behind Bellingham Bellingham went for the kind of like side leg flick and and missed it and it just went on off of Keitel and it was unfortunate for Keitel but you know, he had to defend Bellingham and Bellingham just happened to miss it and it just went in off of him. The one thing I found really interesting is that Dortmund had uh, four bookings. I think Marlon, Dahoud, Akanji and Guerrero all were booked. Um, that's usually uh, uh, not, a, not a case between Dortmund Frankfurt, uh, Dortmund Freiburg, sorry, because there were five yellow cards in total. Oftentimes this is a game where there are zero yellow cards. So... Um, Considering there were a lot of tactical faults uh, on Dortmund's side, you can see that uh, you know the the defensive structure, if you will, uh, is far from perfect, and they were very uh, susceptible against counterattacks. I wonder how this changes with the return of uh, Hummels, and and uh, maybe Guerrero will be a bit fitter. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not having my hopes up too high because that was just. Uh, collectively not uh good enough you know the the pressing intensity was completely gone the the spacing was abject you know when you saw Haaland pressed and the the rest of the team didn't follow sort of all the the, the symptoms and the the uh frailties we've seen before from this Dortmund team where I was sort of hoping that this has uh is a thing of the past but uh, apparently on away days it's still very much a thing and uh Something that Marco Rosa and his team need to address. Full stop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just on the, the Holland pressing thing, I happened to notice that Holland led the team in pressures with 16, while Malin next to him was, uh, he had the least with four. So I think that definitely uh, describes what you're talking about with both of them. Yeah, I recall Marco Rosa saying uh, right away when he was asked about Malin that he needs to... Uh, <laughs> add a few things in this uh, defensive department and I think uh, you know if you play in this position 
especially next to Haaland, you need to press way more. I don't know if he uh, doesn't doesn't know how to, or it's just uh, a little bit too lazy. I, I feel like we'll we'll see that uh, with a bit more time. But uh, you know, I'm I'm missing the sort of um, you know player that that really knows where to press. This is why Hazard in that position, for example, would have been so helpful in this game because uh, Dortmund. Uh, in in the recent games, really had a lot of uh, good chances on the transition, but uh, not against Freiburg before because Freiburg played so ultra deep. I mean, I think Dortmund had what seventy seven percent possession, uh, some something in this ballpark. So um, if if you can force a couple more turnovers uh, high up the field, uh, that would have been super helpful. And uh, you know, with uh, Marlin not really doing doing his job there. Um, that's that's also just a tactical aspect that uh, you know is is just detrimental. Anyway, uh, I wanted to move on five minutes ago from this game, but we're still on it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go next, Adam? Uh, we have a Schalke segment where we we could talk about. Uh, I guess uh, we have uh, Thomas Delaney leaving. Maybe maybe we'll talk about Delaney first, uh, since uh, that's been the news. Uh, of today, really. Uh, after three years, he is leaving the black and yellows. Uh, I guess, first of all, your sentiment about this transfer? My sentiment is I I don't love it. Uh, it's tough. I, I follow this club like, I don't know, it's it's like a lot of us, it's more than a club to me. It's, it's, I almost follow it like a sitcom. This is like one of my favorite characters is leaving the show and I hate it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's just one of those guys that you just love to, to follow and love to root for. Now, from a footballing perspective, I mean, it's probably not the biggest deal. I kind of get it. You know, he, he was going to be out of contract, I think in a year. Um, there wasn't going to be a huge return for him. He obviously wants to make a move. This is something that it seems like he's been pushing for. First, we heard the rumors about the Premier League, and now it's finally off to Sevilla. We do have plenty of players in the midfield, so I think we'll be able to recover. But, you know, he brings something that you don't see in a lot of players. We get a little bit of it in Dehoud. Bellingham's got a little bit of that mean streak, too. But, you know, Dehoud is a guy that you can put in, and just he just puts in the crunching tackles. And one thing that I was looking up yesterday that I, I had no idea until I looked it up uh, is that Thomas Delaney has never had a red card. So either a straight red or a double yellow in his entire professional career for club or country. And to play the way he plays and to never have that is just this unreal control that I, I guess I had always seen and appreciated, but never quite you know, it, it never really hit me like, oh, he's never been sent off with all of the things that he does like this. And I think that's just pretty rare. He's I mean, he's not the greatest offensive player. He got a few goals while he was here, but he's not like, you know, the, the intricate passer like uh, the Dortmund squad usually requires. But, you know, it's he's just the type of guy that you love to root for. He's coming off a great Euro tournament. I thought that they would do better than taking a 14 million uh, euro loss on Thomas Delaney. And it's kind of a bummer. I don't think any Dortmund fan likes to see Thomas Delaney leave. Uh, I think he's a great person and, uh, you know, was always fun to watch. So, yeah, I'm I'm a bit sad too that he's leaving, honestly, even though I can understand it even so. But 
I think Dortmund will miss him uh, on on the football field as well. So, you know, it's it's tough. He's a really good player, and uh, you know, looking at the transfer fee, you know, he's twenty nine. He's pretty much in his prime. Um, I don't know. I it's it's just one year left on the contract. Yes, fair enough. But but still, you know, a player of his caliber, Champions League player. You know, especially for Sevilla, you feel like maybe maybe ten fifty million. Also could have done the trick as well. I don't know, uh, but uh, yeah, in uh, COVID times, the uh, transfer fees are all a little bit different, and uh, Dortmund have by far not done as much as they would have liked to. I think that much is clear. That uh, it's not only fans that will be disappointed with this transfer window from a Dortmund perspective. I think uh, the front office as well. Uh, is regretting a couple of moves that they couldn't have done. I mean, uh, today Madueke, for example, uh, extended his deal with the PSV. I don't know in uh, mm-hmm. whether normal times he would have also made the switch to Dortmund. I don't know. The rumors were there. The interest was there. Um, in the end, I really don't know if that would have been a realistic thing or not. But uh, Dortmund certainly, uh, you know, are on the outlook for another right winger and another right back. Uh, so I don't know if, if Lazaro will come from uh, Inter, a uh, former Gladbach player. Um, do you remember him playing much? Because I honestly don't. I think he fell down the packing order in uh, Inter. So uh, he might join Dortmund on a loan deal or on a permanent. I, I feel like I've I've seen multiple reports now, but uh, also you never know yeah. these days what actually is true or not because they are they are you know just look at the Halstenberg thing. You know it was hot for a minute and now it's cold again. Yeah, honestly, he's a guy I probably remember more from uh, Salzburg and Hertha. Uh, I think he was on that Salzburg team that knocked uh, Dortmund out of the Europa League a couple of years ago. But yeah, I always thought of him as a exclusively a wing back for a three at the back system. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes in, whether, I don't know, is he a fullback or is he a winger? I'm not sure which which spot he'd be used in. Yeah, I think Dortmund would expect him to cover maybe even all three positions, you know, be a fullback, be a wingback and be a right winger, even sort of a Marius Wolf type situation. In the meantime, uh, let's move over to Gelsenkirchen or Regensburg. So, Adam, uh, have you seen what our... Zweite Bundesliga friends FC Schalke have been up to in recent uh, weeks even? Well, honestly, the only match I watched was the opener against Hamburg, and it was, it was uh, you know, be- <laughs> beautiful to see them blow that one. Um, although, you know, who do you even root for? Schalke and Hamburg there. But, uh, yeah, I've only caught up on the scores since then, which uh, there was a win, a draw, and then a big loss. So, uh One thing I did notice about the Regensburg game is that uh, old friend uh, Jan-Niklas Besta scored uh, against Schalke, so that must have been a fun time for him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Schalke didn't just lose to Jan Regensburg. No, they lost 4-1. to <laughs> That's <laughs> quite hilarious. And uh, they are now sitting in 13th place. Uh, Regensburg, meanwhile, I think are top of the Zweite Bundesliga with that win. Um, before that, uh, they were leading against hour for a very long time around the 80th minute or so and then they conceded the equalizer and uh, the team got uh, sent back 
to the locker rooms with the classic Schalke booze and whistles. Fun times at Schalke. I don't know. I also don't want to uh, talk too much about Schalke, to be honest, because uh, we do have uh, another game to preview, and that's is of course against Hoffenheim. Um, that should be a fun one on, on Friday. Uh, Adam, you just said, uh, you know, how a lot of things went south for Dortmund, uh, you know, how a lot of euphoria uh, sort of died. Uh, but obviously a home win against Hoffenheim on on Friday would uh, repair some of that. You know, that's the one good thing about uh, football these days is that... Uh, Every uh, notion is, is uh, very uh, short-lived and uh, it's all in the short term. Um, so how how do you think Dortmund will approach this? Do you know who's fit and who is not? Well, I guess it has to be seen as a good sign that Guerrero and Hummels and Emmerichan all came back uh, as subs in the in the match against Freiburg. And Brandt, uh, yes. Uh, you have to assume that... Uh, Guerrero will probably be starting. I know that um, Schultz's injury isn't expected to be like a long-term thing, but I would assume that that was probably enough for Guerrero to be eased back into a starting role. I do wonder if uh, Hummels is ready for taking over for Witzel. That would be obviously some great news. I think Witzel did admirably uh, when pushed into duty there, but uh, having the Akanji and Hummels duo back would be great. Uh, Thomas Meunier is not going to be ready as the right back, uh, which means we could be seeing Passlock again. We could be seeing a change with Marius Wolf. Uh, well, we could John. actually see Emre Can. Yes. Yeah, Emre Can might be an interesting one as well to put in there. Um, I I personally might give John the call uh, just to to get something different out there. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I think we'll probably see a lot more of the same. I don't know if Malin's going to start two games in a row. Uh, I, I believe that Hazard is not going to be ready until after the international break. So we That's might be correct. seeing him in again. Um, yeah, I mean, Hoffenheim's coming into town with a uh, top score, Jakob Brun Larsen. Uh, <laughs> so that's going to be interesting to see, uh, uh, Kramerich of course is always our nemesis, but, uh, he hasn't scored yet, but he's put up four assists. Uh, so, you know, he'll be looking to <laughs> to get his first or second, third or fourth of the year uh, facing Dortmund. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're going to see a very changed uh, starting defense, but otherwise probably going to be a lot of the same. Yeah. Do you, do you think uh, you would give Malin another start? I mean, on the one hand, you kind of have to. He needs to uh, find his feet somehow. Uh, on the other hand, there are alternatives. Uh available like Mokoko? You know, just from a confidence perspective, it might make sense to go with Malin again and just, you know, you don't want to pull him out after one start and make it kind of look like you're losing faith. So I could see giving him the the first 60 minutes or so to see what he can do. Hoffenheim's a different side, so maybe things will go a little bit better. And, you know, they've had a whole week to work on it. They haven't had any midweek games. So I'm hoping that, you know, they can go with him again and and hopefully see some improvements because, Quite frankly, they need to see some improvements because uh, it wasn't it didn't go very well. Um, but I think that that uh, might be the way I'd go. Yeah. Also, don't we really need to do something about uh, the way the table is looking right now? Because we have Wolfsburg in first, Hoffenheim in second, then we have Leverkusen in third, and then fourth is Bayern. Ugh. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to make it even more perfect, you I guess you would swap out Bayern for Leipzig, who uh, just like Dortmund are in six right now. So, 
Um, yeah, very annoying. I think uh, Hoffenheim had uh, this uh, spanking of uh, Augsburg on the first match day, right? There was a 4 nothing win and uh, mm-hmm. then a 2 all draw against FC Union Berlin. And I only watched the highlights and uh, thank you again ESPN Plus for the Bundesliga highlight show. That is uh, very convenient if you don't have time to watch the entire match day, even though you can do that too, real life. Um, nevertheless, I think that still was... Uh, uh, quite the entertaining game, to be honest, and uh, I must say, my I'm I'm already looking forward again to uh, Oliver Baumann having his best day of the season because uh, to me he's like uh, one of the most average keepers in the Bundesliga, but uh, somehow very often against Dortmund he's having outrageous games, and uh, the same usually is true for Kevin Vogt and uh, Stefan Posch. So. Uh, I don't know why, but the goalkeeper and centre-backs uh, by Hoffenheim, uh, yeah, for some reason, always play lights out football. But uh, yeah, also interesting how, how Brun Larsen will do against Dortmund. Uh, last time around, uh, I hardly noticed him. He didn't really do much. So uh, I hope it stays the same, to be honest. Um, yeah, otherwise, I guess the um, you have Rudi and, and Stiller in there in their defensive midfield, it's... Uh, I don't know. That's Bundesliga average at this point. I know Rudy is a former Bayern player, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, I think uh, his time at Schalke made him really uh, terrible. He has found his feet a little bit again in Hoffenheim, but uh, not too great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how do you like Munas Dabur, uh, Hoffenheim striker? Yeah, Dabur is interesting, too. I mentioned Lazaro earlier with, with Salzburg. Dabur was on that same team uh, in Salzburg and Man, I, he was the reason I started following the Austrian Bundesliga. To be completely honest, like that that team was was really interesting, and uh, I moved away from Salzburg though. Didn't want to stick to the Red Bull too much. He's been very quiet since coming to Hoffenheim, but it sounds like it's starting to possibly change. He's settling in a little bit more. I I haven't watched them too closely, but I seem to see uh, his name pop up more in the the uh, not only the the starting lineups but the score sheets too. So. It's strange to see that uh, they've, they've scored that many goals without Kramaric getting any. Uh, I think that uh, we can probably bank on at least one coming from him just because he just really seems to own Dortmund. Uh, so as long as we prepare for that, hopefully we can take on everybody else. Yeah, to bet we don't have Delaney anymore to whack him right at the get-go. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe Emre Can can do that or Dahoud. I mean, they, they both can uh, dole it out as well. Uh, but uh, not too much because, uh, you know, I don't want either one to be in suspension trouble early in the season, to be honest. Um, especially Dahoud, I think a player Dortmund will have to routinely rely on. So I really do wonder how the rotation machine will go in, in that department. Um, you know, that's that's one thing without Delaney. I'm, I'm really worrying about that uh, if there are a couple more injuries here and there. And I don't know if I've said it on the air before, but I really anticipate a really uh, problematic season uh, in terms of injuries, that there will be a lot of little muscle injuries here and there, you know, just like Nico Schulz went down uh, or Hazard, you know, all, all, all these kinds of things just because most of the players didn't really have much of a preseason and it was all very disjointed and uh, the way things are going for Dortmund uh, in, in these phases is usually that they pick up a lot of injuries and I also don't know how Mats Hummels will play uh considering he was at the euros and uh, had this uh, problem with his uh, tendon and now 
according to, I don't know, the tabloids, he's also going through a divorce, so I don't know how that personally will affect him. I have no idea. Uh, so nothing I really want to uh, discuss in the Yellow Wall pod, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, I I I see I see I see a lot of uh, injury trouble on the horizon, and uh, I really have a little knot in my stomach, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I am excited about Julian Brandt's return because I feel like this could be a, a very positive season for him. Um, let's hope that uh, he is not too slowed down by uh, having had COVID. Uh, I don't know. Some some players are affected by it and Julian Brandt was never the fittest player, let's put it this way, but he did look a little fitter uh, during this preseason for whatever that was worth. Probably not much, but, um, you know, I really hope he can hit hit the ground running. Um, the couple of minutes he got uh, against Freiburg were okay. So uh, let, let's see how that goes. But uh, yeah, how many changes uh, would you make to Dortmund's lineup? Would you even try to start Brunt instead of maybe Reyna or so and tinker around a little bit, or would you try to leave much the same as possible? All right, so yeah, I think uh, putting Brandt in for Reyna is kind of what I was expecting there. Uh, I think that would be the only change I would make besides the back line. The back line, like I said, probably going to see a good three changes there, but other than that, I might go go with the same thing and see how we go. Do you have a scoreline prediction? Uh, all right, a scoreline prediction. I'll go with the first thing that came to me. Uh, I'm hoping that the the yellow wall uh, and the fans really get behind them again, like against Frankfurt. Hope we see a three to one. I think Kramerich is going to get that one, but hopefully we get the three uh, in return. Yeah, actually, I actually feel like there will be even more goals. To be honest, I don't know why. Uh, just because Hoffenheim have been uh, quite active on the front for this way. I, I feel like Dortmund will win this 4-2, to, to be honest. This is uh, something I'm looking very much forward to. Something I'm also looking forward to is uh, the Champions League draw on uh, Thursday. And uh, thanks to the winning streak that you sort of mentioned earlier, uh, Dortmund can you know, look forward to it because otherwise it would have been Europa League. But uh, they mi did manage to claim third place in the end which was quite the feat, and uh, obviously I'm a big fan of the Champions League. I really like watching it. also do like watching Dortmund play in it. I feel like these games, no matter how many years you're playing in it, uh, are always uh, something extra special. So I cherish every Champions League season that Dortmund get, to be honest. Uh, I do not take it for granted. I remember being... Uh, actually, I, I was in the North stand when uh, Dortmund returned to the Champions League after a long time... Uh, against uh, Arsenal, I think it was, uh, the home match where Ivan Perisic scored an absolutely r ridiculous goal and uh, I had the perfect angle for it to just see the ball go into the top right corner. Uh, look it up if you if you haven't. It uh, it's really is a gorgeous strike. So, uh, Adam, I assume you have sort of in front of you who Dortmund uh, can draw or can't draw. Um, for people who do not know uh, the... Pot one is obviously consistent of eight teams, and uh, usually it's the uh, six champions from the top six leagues, according to the UEFA coefficient, plus the Champions League winner, plus the Europa League winner. In this case, Chelsea are the Champions League winners, and uh, Villarreal are the Europa League winners, and then, of course, you have Spanish champions Atletico, 
English champions Man City, you have Bayern, you have Inter, Lille and Sporting. And with Lille winning and Inter winning, for example, that means Dortmund also avoid Juventus and PSG. And also in part two, these are all teams Dortmund will not play against are Real Madrid and Barcelona and of course Manchester United. Liverpool and Sevilla are all teams that Dortmund cannot play against. Who from part one would you hope for and who would you like to avoid at all cost? Honestly, in terms of who to hope for, I think I'll really I'll be happy to take anyone. I, I don't really want to face Man City again since we just had them. Wouldn't really want to face Atletico since we also recently had them as well. I think kind of facing some some new teams. So Lille's uh, sporting Villarreal would be interesting. I don't know when the last time is Dortmund faced Villarreal or oh, Chelsea. Team. <laughs> <laughs> right, that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, so I I'd like to miss Man City again just because I think that they'll probably be ready to steamroll teams but uh otherwise i think i'll be pretty much happy with whatever comes out of pot one yeah i i would uh, appreciate a little of lissabon i'll be honest with you <laughs> um you know i i think Lille had to you know they bled a couple of good players they had uh in their championship winning team and uh, spotting lisbon are the portuguese team and usually that means don't want to fare well against those Input three, we have uh, also a really chunk of good teams. We have FC Porto, we have uh, Ajax Amsterdam, we have uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, RB Leipzig, ugh, uh, Salzburg, Benfica, Atalanta, and Zenit St. Petersburg. Uh, so an interesting group. I'll say fra right from the get-go, if we could uh, avoid Shakhtar or Zenit, I'd be grateful because these are long-ass trips that nobody needs. Uh, I would... Uh, love to play against Ajax to be honest because they're a very fun side and uh, you know playing against Ajax uh, the last time Dortmund did that I think uh, it was a lot of fun so um, I don't really have yeah. any I, preference there but uh, you know those those were the, the high moments of Gutsoys <laughs> Ajax is my pick too just because there's a lot of teams here that Dortmund has faced in the last few years uh, since I've been following the club, I haven't seen Ajax and Shakhtar Donetsk, but everybody else we, we've seen. So, yeah, give me one of them, uh, preferably Ajax, to avoid the long trip. Yeah, Dortmund did play against Shakhtar too, but I think it was in 2013 uh, when right. they uh, went to the Champions League final. I think they faced them in a group stage, something like that. I mean, you, you should remember this because recently there was a, a compilation of Lukas Pischek goals and he scored in Donetsk. So, yeah, just uh, for for background, you know, my, my fandom started right around when Klopp was leaving and Tuchel was coming in. So uh, I'm, I'm still pretty new to the game. So I never <laughs> saw them face Ajax. Yeah, no, the uh, the especially the, the game in Amsterdam was uh, super fun. You know, I, I don't know if you can watch it real life anywhere, but uh, if you can, do. Uh, it really is a fun game. Anyway, pot four, uh, we have Besiktas, we have uh, Dynamo Kiev, we have FC Bruges, uh, young boys from Switzerland. We've got AC Milan, Malmö, and of course, Sheriff Tiraspol. There's also Wolfsburg in there, but you know, since they're also German side, Dortmund cannot draw them. Uh, any... Uh, <laughs> any preference there you know just give me young boys Villarreal will just go all black and yellow in this group that'll be fun 
I guess lastly, we should talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund's women's team since you have dedicated a whole lot of time on Twitter and your own site to highlight them. You actually had the time to to watch a couple of friendlies. Uh, obviously, their season will start on, I think, uh, September 12th against uh, BV Brambauer, <laughs> which is a suburb. It's uh, in Kreisliga A, Gruppe 2 uh, is where things will start. So uh, at the very bottom of German uh, women's football in, uh, you know, Brambauer is, is very local. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to watching those games. Uh, I haven't had the time to watch the friendlies, but I, I'll make sure to tune in to the actual league and cup games. Uh, I think at least the home games Dortmund will stream on Twitch. I'm not sure uh, whether they will also ensure streams uh, for away games. But uh, yeah, I'm certainly pumped for Dortmund to have a women's team. Obviously, not very pumped that it will take years for them to actually break into the Bundesliga. Adam. Nevertheless, I think you have been quite joyous to uh, see the team that's uh, been built. Yeah, this has been fun to follow the development of just the rumors about a women's team starting and then the announcement that they were establishing and now to actually see them taking part in friendlies. Unfortunately, only one was streamed so far. That was the very first one. So luckily we got to see the very first one because uh, that's the only one that was at home. Uh, that was a... 1860 Munich also is starting a new team. So uh, they were playing their first game together. And uh, Dortmund won 3-1 there with uh, Anne-Katrin Lau uh, scoring the first goal in Dortmund women's history, which was excellent. The third goal was uh, scored by Annika Herbig, who's actually an employee of the team. She works uh, in the travel agency within uh, Dortmund. Uh, so that was really cool to see. There's actually two players in the squad that are, are Dortmund employees. The other is uh, Vanessa Heim. She's a a coach and working in marketing and, and sales for the uh, Beva Bay Football Academy. And uh, yeah, the, the second friendly uh, was a 1-0 loss, but it was against a team that was like two or three tiers above them. So that had to be seen as, as something of a win there. And then the next couple of friendlies were just big wins, 3-0 uh, uh, away against Kamen, and then 5-0 against uh, Antal. And uh, that was just really great to see, you know, eight unanswered goals. We had uh, a couple of goals by Laura Hull. Uh, Hannah Guzman uh, looks like she's going to be a big part of the offense, too. She's just 17 years old and doing really well. Uh, they have a 15-year-old defender, Denise Portners, who's played pretty much every game. So it's really interesting to see there's like a, a wide range of ages and, uh, and experience levels. Got to mention Lisa Clement, the uh, captain. She is uh, she formerly played in the second division, so she's a player that they really went after to to be the captain, to be the uh, the uh, authority, the the experience on the team, and she's looked really good as well. Uh, like I said, in the in the minutes that I've seen. So yeah, I'm just really excited to see this actually taking shape. Uh, like you said, the home matches are going to be uh, broadcast over Twitch. The away matches probably not. Although I guess uh, one of the friendlies was on RN Plus, but I was not able to uh, catch that one. It happened to be the 1-0 the loss. So I, if it was one of the other ones, I would have jumped all over it to see the goals. But yeah, so very excited about it. Yeah, I, I'm actually uh, trying to get someone uh, from, be it a player, coach or whatever, uh, from Borussia Dortmund to get on the show and uh, talk a little bit more about it because uh, I'm... <laughs> I'm really excited and uh, 
I also like that uh, it's very accessible, I think, for, for Dortmund fans. I mean, if if you I think you're in Massachusetts right now, yes? Mm -hmm. If you have the ability to uh, know as much as you do know, that uh, means that, uh, you know, you have access to all of this information. And uh, that's a big positive. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of uh, dreams for these girls and uh, women coming true. Uh, to be a Dortmund player, uh, we we saw a couple of tweets uh, by them on on Twitter where you saw <laughs> the 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 uh, pictures of them being like I don't know four or five years old in the Dortmund shirts. So uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously very heartwarming. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The squad is made up of players who were only within thirty five kilometers of Dortmund. So this these are they're they're local women. They are. Dortmund through and through a lot of them talked about you know when they got their first kid at age six or the first time they were in the stadium was when they weren't even born yet you know those types of things so it's really lovely seeing it all take shape yeah I, I really like that and obviously uh, that's uh, may maybe nothing that really springs uh, to, to the eye to people that are maybe not from from Dortmund or the Ruhr area but uh, when you read through the to the squad list uh, you can definitely <laughs> see that <laughs> the names all sound very Dortmundery, <laughs> to be honest. So uh, that's that's a feature yeah. I I really do appreciate. So uh, yeah, uh, lo looking very much forward to uh, them play uh, against a lot of. Uh, I, I guess all teams in Kreisliga are, are local. They are all in in Dortmund. You know, you can all reach them via uh, the Dortmund subway system or or. I guess I don't know if there's no there's one going to Brambo obviously so um yeah anyway maybe Landstrop is a little far but uh, otherwise uh, you know Tura Asseln or so or Yildiz Sterne you can all reach uh, with the uh, U-Bahn I don't know Lün maybe a bit far Kirchsterne hmm. but anyway yeah and just uh, on a personal level it was really nice because at dinner tonight my my 12 year old daughter was like Tell me about the players. I want to go see them. You know, it was just really cool to hear that. So telling her about all the players and, you know, just maybe one day we'll get there and we'll we'll watch both teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do hope that Dortmund have a, a successful uh, women's team in about a decade. Uh, you know, pressure is on. <laughs> in the meantime, let's just be excited about uh, the the very start of a team in the, the good old Kreisliga. So, yeah, I, I think this is also a very good time to knock it on the head. Uh, we're already uh, chatting away for an hour and uh, we're in between frickin' Freiburg and frickin' Hoffenheim. So, Adam, <laughs> I don't want to take too much of your time away and I also don't want to bore people anymore. If you want to give a plug to anything or anywhere, please be my guest. Yeah, so by day, working for Sports Reference with a company behind fbref.com. So if you use that, I'd love to, to hear some feedback. Uh, and if you don't use it yet, I'd love to see you try it out. Foosball Twit on Twitter, and that's pretty much about it. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, uh, FBref, obviously Philadelphia-based, so uh, representing. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I'll actually be at the Phillies game tomorrow, believe it or not, Adam. I know you uh, also do uh, enjoy baseball. We uh, won tickets because why the hell else would I go to a Phillies game? But uh, yeah, since it's free, I'll actually sit my butt into Citizens Park and uh, hope I'll catch a foul ball or something. 
uh who knows <laughs> but uh yeah in the meantime uh you can follow me at chef on Butsko on twitter you can follow all of us at yellow Wallpot on twitter and facebook if you want to subscribe to this uh uber lengthy <laughs> podcast go to uh youtube stitcher itunes soundcloud etc of course google podcasts i need to mention as well and uh of course, if you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And that should be all for this week. We will obviously be back with a review of the Hoffenheim game and uh, of the, <laughs> I guess, deadline day. Uh, if there is anything to talk about uh, by then, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, of course, uh, yeah, then there's the international break i don't know that to me is always a momentum killer but i guess it is necessary anywho uh, as always thank you very much for bearing with me and <laughs> listening and goodbye